But if you have your Bibles this morning, you want to turn to the book of Nahum, chapter 1. And mark that for just a moment. And let's go back into the book of Psalm, chapter 8. The 8th division of Psalm. I want to read to you, if I can, one verse. So Nahum, chapter 1. We'll get to that in just a minute. But we want to begin this uh, morning in the book of Psalm. In the 8th division of Psalm. And let's look at the very first verse. Psalm chapter 1, or excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 8 says this. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. This morning, I want you to think about the majesty of God. When we talk about majesty, it just means one that has a sovereign reign or power or authority or dignity. That is God today. God has the ultimate authority. You might might even word it like this. He is the standard by which we look at. So when we talk about the attributes of God and when we talk about how majestic God is, I want you to see what God either has done for you in your life or what God can do for you in your life. So I want you to think about those things this morning. What has God done for you? Maybe we can add a third. What is God doing for you and what can God do for you? Very first verse, Psalm chapter 8. And also if you skip down to the ninth verse, you'll see this very same thing. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So sandwiched in between the very first verse and the last verse... Matter of fact, you see two lords there. One is all caps talking about Jehovah Yahweh. And one is talking about the nature or the being or the goodness of God. So today, I don't want to just talk about Yahweh, God, or the supreme rule. I want you to look at the nature of God and the things of God and see if you've experienced any of these things here this morning. For he said, how excellent is thy name. We want to look at the the characteristics or maybe even the traits, if you will, of God and what God does for you and for me. So if you saved your your verse in the book of Nahum, chapter 1, let's read this. So if you believe this morning that there's no place that God is not and that the, the power of God rests on all sides of us this morning, listen to Nahum, chapter 1, and in verse 7. The majesty of God this morning. Remember, majesty means His supreme reign and power and authority. Seventh verse says this. The Lord is good. How many of you this morning can say, the Lord is good? There's so many people today that are on the opposite end of that, that murmur and complain. But your eyes, if you are looking at me this morning, your eyes fall upon one person that can say, the Lord is good. Nahum said, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. I believe this morning that is absolutely imperative It is the most important thing that you and I can do today is to know God and to trust God. The majesty of God means that if we trust Him, He will provide. There's a difference in that He 
can provide versus he will provide. I have no clue this morning what you stand in need of, but I already know this. God can grant it. I already know this morning that God is good. So many people don't see that. So many people are blinded by that. But God is good. We serve a holy God. We serve a righteous God. A God that doesn't tolerate evil and wickedness. He forgives us of these things. But God is good. So in when we remove ourselves from holiness... We find out that we find ourselves separated from God, but it's in, in, in our walk with Him, in our belief with Him, in our trust in Him, that God is good. Listen to what Nahum said. The Lord is good. Do you believe that God is good this morning? Matthew, I want to turn over for just a minute. Matthew chapter 19. Jesus Himself said this to the rich young ruler. Matthew in the 19th chapter and in the 17th verse. We have this idea of what we call good. Now we're going to define good here in just a minute. But, but in order to see good, you have to understand the opposite of that, which is evil. Verse 17 says this, Why callest thou me good? For there is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, if you understand the, the, the degree of good, you have to understand, understand the degree of evil. Now, evil means miserable. So if God is teaching us and Jesus is saying that the opposite of evil is going to be good, then we realize is that, that God is good. Can you say that with me this morning? And would you agree if I tell you God is good? And what that means is, if they are evil, there's another word, the Greek language, that we might even put in our English language, stingy. You know what a stingy person is? You don't have to think very hard about that one, do you? It's a person that wants to keep it for themselves. Folks, God is not evil. God is not stingy. God is not holding back this morning. God is good. The opposite of that is God has something He wants to give. His majesty means that God has something for you. There's a difference of good and evil. Evil is a closed hand. Good is an open hand. Evil today, God wants to realize is that what He has, He's not clasping a hold of that, that He wants to keep it to Himself. Folks, God is good, meaning that His hand is open, His goodness is there, and He wants us, His mankind, to enjoy those things. Folks, God is good. Man is evil. God is good. When you look up what the word good it means, the word good simply means that not only is it a person that is not stingy, it is also one that has no need of something or someone else. A plant is in need of water or sunshine. Folks, God needs nothing else. God is good this morning in the fact that He does not need anything else. And that's not to belittle us that God doesn't need us. But folks, the truth is, God is unchangeable. When I said He's that standard this morning, He is the standard of good. And here that, 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 that God is teaching us that, that His goodness goes beyond anything that we can imagine. It is God is that very standard by which you and I realize He needs no other. 
God needs no other. And aren't you glad this morning that the majesty of God is? He needs nobody else. But the opposite of that means we need God. Would you agree with that? We are in need of God today. And that's what our world needs to understand this morning. The majesty of God would be that we would see the need in our life. That we need God. Jesus had a human element about Him. He had needs. He got hungry. The Bible teaches us that. He got thirsty. The Bible teaches us that. He got tired. The Bible teaches us that. But folks, God never gets hungry. God never gets tired. God never gets thirsty. The reason that Jesus experienced those things is because He had a flesh about Him. But He said that there is only one that is good and that is God. There's only one person today or one being, you might even say, that can say they have no need of anything else and that is God. Jesus, and I don't want to imply that Jesus was less, but what Jesus did have was physical needs in His life. You and I, the difference is we have physical and spiritual We have spiritual needs. We have physical needs. And what God is teaching us through Jesus Christ, when we talk about the majesty of God, it's the idea of God can provide. I'll tell you this, God can provide your physical needs. I believe in that, but I believe God can give you your spiritual needs too. He has His hand open today, and He wants so many people to take of these things, but yet, how many times do we walk on by... How many times have you walked by in the store something that was free, but you was worried, is there a catch to this? You don't want to accept something because if it's free, maybe there's strings attached. I'll tell you this, what God has in store for you, there's no strings attached. It's just simply His goodness that He wants to give you. It's the goodness that He wants to bestow upon you that we read in the Psalms is that, Oh Lord, the Lord, He said, How good are you and how, how, how that we can praise Your holy and Your righteous name. Psalms in the 27th chapter and the 13th verse says this. Psalm 27 to 13 said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist said that he wanted and he needed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Every Sunday, you know what we get blessed to do? We get to come to the land of the living, folks. We are not a dying people. We are not a dead people. We are alive. And we are not alive as far as a worldly sense. We are alive, as Paul said, Ye who are once dead in trespasses and in sin, hath he quickened? The word quickened means to be made alive, folks. If you are here this morning and you are saved, you are alive. And the living today see things much differently than the others Psalm 27 13 said this, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Folks, sometimes we don't see the goodness of God because we don't look for the goodness of God. Sometimes our our minds and our eyes are so distraught and distracted by so many other things. But God said, "But may we open our eyes, may we see His goodness is there. May we see the majesty of God in the fact that He's providing for us. But many people don't see these things. And that God is teaching us that He and He alone is what we stand in need of. I hope you will agree with me this morning when I say this. God is perfect. Do you believe God is perfect? Do you believe there's a day of perfection coming for the children of God? Absolutely do I believe in that this morning. Folks, one day we too shall be perfect. But until then, we serve a perfect God. 
You and I are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. But God is teaching us through His majesty, through His mightiness, that we might be able to worship His holy name. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens. There's something different about God. There's something about God. The world wants to cling, but God wants to give. The world wants to take, but God wants to bestow. This morning, what is happening in your life? You know what? There's some things that, yes, we do need to let go of, but that's only so we can let God fill up. God wants us to empty out the vessels. God wants us to empty out our lives. God wants us to empty things so that He can fill them up. And in in, in Psalm 23, He said, Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Folks, God is good. And may we see today that, that, that if God wants us to let go of things, it's only so that we might get to a point and a place that we might be used by Him. Let's read what he's talking about in Psalm, or excuse me, Nahum. He said, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Do I believe God can take care of you when things are going good in your life? I'll go a step further than that. God's the reason things are good in your life. But can God take care of you when you mess up? Adam and Eve made a big mistake in the Garden of Eden, folks. There is nothing that God cannot fix. I want that to be a message today that the world can hear. There is not anything that anybody can do that God cannot fix. Would you agree to that? There's a lot of things in my life God has fixed. I want you to know today that God is not a weak God. He's a mighty God. He's a strong God. When we talk about the attributes and the majesty of God, He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. One of the favorite things I love to do is, generally speaking, it's two younger men, that younger boys, they like to arm wrestle. You know why they arm wrestle? They want to see who's the strongest. So often does evil, so often does wickedness, Want to try to be stronger than God. But you know what I believe? God is stronger. The majesty of God means no matter how much the world tries and tries and tries to pull us away from Him, God is stronger. Oh, how we should we be singing the glory hallelujah this morning and knowing the fact that God is a stronghold in the day of trouble. God can protect us. God can take care of us. God can provide for us. For we see here in the book of 1 John, chapter 4 and verse 4, Year of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I believe today that God is stronger, and I believe that God is stronger than us. I believe that God is stronger than all the evil that we face. And that's why when Nahum says that He is a stronghold in the day of trouble... 
You know what? It's amazing that how you and I, we go through our life and we're just sailing along and all of a sudden the sun's shining and everything's beautiful. You know what happens when we're sailing? All of a sudden there's a storm that comes up. Had we known the storm was coming, we would have never set sail. But God said, don't worry about that because sometimes when things begin to fall apart, when things begin to happen that you did not anticipate happening, things that you did not want to happen, when those things happen, remember this, God is still in control. Has anybody in here wanted to, to testify to the fact that you've been through storms in your life, but God was stronger than the storms? Jesus is the one that could say, peace, be still, and the waters would calm themselves. And what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey His command? That is God. God is able to do these things. And listen to what Nahum said. He said that He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. Do you believe that God's with us at all times? Do you believe God's with us in all the things that we do? Psalms in the 46th chapter, I'll read this verse to you. God is our refuge. This is Psalms 46 and 1. God is our refuge. He is a, excuse me, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. You know what, you know what that means, don't you? It's, it's like an abundance of help. You know what? It's one thing to have help. If I'm moving something that's a heavy object and there's two people, it's a whole lot better when you got four, five, six, seven, or eight people that can get around it. You know what, folks, today, God's not giving us a minimum amount of what we need to be stronger. God said, I'm going to give you an abundance for a very present help in trouble. Folks, can I tell you this? Maybe I'll word it like this. You can count on God. You can trust God. You can believe in God. And that's why in the very beginning that the psalmist said it much like this. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Do you see this morning that God is greater than anything and all things that, that you and I can go through in this life? God is able. He is a strength today. He's a friend at all times that He can provide the things that we stand in need of. God wants to. He desires to. And He will be a very help to us in the time of which we need. But notice what else Nahum says. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. I don't know what happened to you yesterday. I don't know what's going on with you today. I definitely have no clue what's going on with you tomorrow. But I believe that there's nothing that can separate you from God. Romans chapter 8. Let's turn there for just a minute. Romans chapter 8. And I want to skip to the 35th verse. Paul wants people to understand just how majestic and strong God is. Now before I read you these things, know this. Paul experienced, I think there's seven of them. Paul experienced six of them before he wrote this verse. He's not merely just stating these things. He is a testimony of these things. Is there anybody here today that is a testimony of these things in the 35th and 36th verse about how strong God is? Can I tell you this? If you've experienced any of these, the world needs to hear it. 
If you have experienced the strength and the, the majesty of God, may those around us, may those that we do not even know, may everybody hear about what God has done for us. For notice what the 35th verse says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Let's read them. Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Talking about death. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul talks about God's love and what God's love has. Look at these again. Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? If you know what the word tribulation means, it means to be put under extreme stress. Folks, our world today, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've seen it from children in school all the way up to the adults. There's an enormous amount of pressure that people want to put on you. There's an enormous amount of pressure of how we should do or what we should accomplish or how that we should do that, folks. There's only one today that we should please, and that's God. I understand that there's laws of the land, and I understand that there are people that are in authority, but remember this. Nothing is, is any greater than pleasing God. But listen to what he said. He talks about, he said, shall tribulations... When anything is put under an extreme pressure, what happens? Can I ask you this? I know this is a, a pretty elementary understanding, but if I was to take a lemon and I squeezed a lemon, what's going to come out of it? Lemon juice, right? If I took an orange and I squeezed an orange, what's going to come out of that? Orange juice. What happens when you're squeezed? What comes out? When you're under distress and you're under the, the pressures of the world, folks, our tongues all of a sudden start lashing out. We get angry, we get frustrated, and we, we experience all these things. But I pray today that we were, when we are under distress and we are squeezed, that the love of God comes out. I don't know about you, But when the world gets a hold to me and they start squeezing me, I just want to wrap my hands around their neck and squeeze them back. Anybody else ever get like that? You get mad. You get irritated. You get frustrated. But aren't you glad today to know this, that God is love? Folks, the one thing the world is needing more of is God's love. And God gets to use you and me. I say gets to. God desires to use you and me that we can share His love so that when we're squeezed, there's not evil going to come out. Good's going to come out. I'm not, I'm not desiring that anybody here this morning would be squeezed and pinched. But I do pray today that whatever it is that comes from you, that there's a goodness of God that, that it might come forth. I think about the Song of Solomon. It talks about that, 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 that it talked about ultimately about Christ being the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. That when you take those flowers and you crush them, that there's not a bitterness that comes out, but there's a sweet aroma. Folks, the more that the world tries to crush us, may the greater God's love come out of us. 
You know what today, folks? It's easy for us to get frustrated. It's easy for us to get angry. It's easy for us to even get somewhat downtrodden and depressed. But aren't you glad today to know that when you squeeze a lemon, lemon is going to come, juice is going to come out? Aren't you glad today to know that when God's people are compressed and we go through tribulations, you know what happens to us? God just starts coming out in us or God should come out in us. I can tell you today that all the things that we face in the world, that there's a desire that God would say that nothing can separate you. So who shall separate us from the love of God? Tribulations? The world's going to press you? The world's going to squeeze you? That's okay. Then that means what's on the inside is going to start to come out. But also what he talks about is, he said what else is going to separate us? Tribulation or distressed? Now, if you really want to get a, a true understanding of distressed, it's where you take something with a, a, that's bigger than the opening and you try to squeeze it through. If you've ever moved a couch in the door, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It just wasn't designed or fit to go through a door. But what we try to twist them and turn them and, and, and they get distressed, that means you're trying to, to put them where they don't belong. Sometimes in this life, let me ask you this. Has anybody here ever gotten to where you don't belong? We find ourselves sometimes in places that we don't belong. I'm not talking about physically. But spiritually we find ourselves in places we don't belong. And it's easy for us to say, well God, because I've done something and because I'm in a place I do not belong, then you are not there, folks. God is there too. God's in the good. God's in the bad. God's in the light. And God's in the darkness. And His darkness can overshed and come light. For He said, can even the things that are distressed... So tribulation or distress, no matter how tight it is, no matter how much it doesn't want to fit, God said, there's always room. He said, but what else? He said, he said, so tribulation, distress. What about, he says, the next word he uses is persecution. Now, if you want to really understand what word persecution means, it means someone or something chasing you with the intentions of doing Harm. Now, if, if, if kids got a little hot wheel car and they start pushing up on my heel, I'm not too worried about it. But you take one of these vehicles in a parking lot, why am I a little more fearful of that automobile coming after me? Because it can hurt. You know what? Today, if a cat comes running after me, that's one thing. If a lion comes running after me, it's something else. You know, sometimes we think that it's only the, the weak things or the small things that are coming after us. But the Bible says the devil is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Folks, evil is chasing us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, preacher? There's times in my life when I've, I've run and I've run and I've run. Know this, that there is nothing today. Persecution is running. Persecution is chasing us. But do know this, that we will always be safe in God. The majesty of God is this. The world can chase you. Evil can chase you. All these things can, can be every swiftly behind you. But aren't you glad today to know this? That nothing today can harm you because, let's go back to what we said a little earlier, because there is nothing more powerful than God. Nothing today. There is not a thing that you can bring and say, preacher, this is more powerful than God. It is not. And Paul began to say, he said, what about persecution? Paul said this in 2 Timothy 3 and 12. He said, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
So what happens to persecution? Well, if, 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 I'm on, if I'm out in this particular place and I'm being chased by some kind of animal or some kind of being, why don't I go to a safe place? What you need to do is be exactly where God wants you to be and he'll protect you. Folks, there's something about being said about being where God wants you to be so that we can be safe. So notice the things that he talks about here. He said, what's going to separate us? What's the next thing that he talks about? He said, so tribulation, distress, or persecution? Or he goes on to say, famine. In other words, livelihood's been cut off. All the things that they have are not there. But the truth is, God still gives us exactly what we stand in need of. Can you, do you believe in the majesty of God that he'll provide what you need today? There is a difference in what you need versus what you want. Can I say that and go back and ask that question again? There is a difference in what you need versus what you want. So the question now becomes again, do you believe that God will provide your needs? If he gives the birds of the air a nest, is he not going to take care of us? If God is going to provide for nature, is he going to take care of his people? Absolutely. Do we believe in that? And that's why Paul said, remember Paul had gone through every bit of this. He had gone through where he had been stripped of everything that he had. He didn't have these things. But he said, can you go through a famine this? But he also goes on to say, what about famine or nakedness? Talking about people that, that really can't afford to, to, to buy things. 1 Corinthians Four and eleven says this: Even to this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. Paul said that there was a time in his life where he was going through a time where he felt like he didn't have anything, absolutely nothing. But he said, not even that separated him from the love of God. Let's look at the next word that he uses: tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or pearl. Well, is this peril that he goes through? What's he talking about here? 1 Corinthians 15 and 30, he said this, And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Peril just means that you're always constantly a target. Can I tell you what I do believe about this? Evil is always targeting good. Always. Evil doesn't sleep. Do you believe in that today? Evil does not rest. Evil does not sleep. Even in the sanctuary of God, evil is all around us. Evil's everywhere that we go. All that we see, there's evil. But notice what Paul said. He said, even when you are constantly exposed to harm and evil, he said, not even that's going to separate you from God. So he lists all these things, tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. This is the one thing Paul had not seen yet. You see, when you really break down this word, there's a sword. It's a long sword, you might call it. When the long sword's pulled out, it's time to fight the battle. That's one of the other words we talked about. But this sword is the sword of execution. It's the sword of death. I don't know if there's anybody in your families or your friends, maybe even you yourself, Maybe there's a sword that's pulled out right in front of you and you're facing death very, very soon. But you know what? Not even death is going to separate us from God. Matter of fact, for a child of God, there's only one way to get to heaven through death. 
folks, today, the majesty of God is there is nothing that can separate us from Him. There is nothing that can separate us from what He has. There's nothing today that can separate us from the love of God. And that's why in Psalms, that's why in Nahum that we talk about uh, that, that, that Thou hast set Thy glory above the heavens. That's why in Nahum says that the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knoweth them that trust in Him. But let's look at the last part of that verse in Nahum for just a second. He knoweth them that trust in Him. Maybe you're here today. This is a two-edged sword, if you might. It's a two-edged sword by the fact of you can't hide anything from God. He knows all about it. But you know, there's also things that you do in secret that nobody else knows about. There's things that you may, you pray about. There's things that you, there's deeds that you do. There, there's, there's love that you, you begin to shine forth to those that you're around. Maybe nobody else knows what you're doing. But listen to what he said. He knoweth them that trust in him. You know, the world today is trying to play the blame game of, you know, who belongs to God and, 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 and claim that they're a child of God. Folks, it's not so much about knowing God, it's about God knowing you. Does God know you? Yes, God knows us. But does He know in the times that you've trusted in Him? Yes. Does He know how many times you've walked out the doors and you've not done as you should do? Yes. God knows about the times you've trusted in Him. He knows about the times that you have not trusted in Him. But the majesty of God is, is that through all of these things that we've done, through all these things that we have experienced, through all of these things that have transpired in our life, He said that God still loves us. He cares for us. And He is a... As Nahum said, the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. I'm convinced that there are people that probably have no clue where Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church is. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Heaven knows exactly where we are. There's a lot of people that may not know who you are, they may not know the towns you're in. They may not know the workplaces that you're in. They may not know the classrooms that you may walk into. There's a lot of things that, that the world may not know. But I'll tell you this, the Lord knows. And today, every little deed that we do, sometimes we feel like that the only way a deed is going to be beneficial is if it's in front of the multitudes. No, not necessarily. Yes, I love to influence more and more people. I'm not against that. What I am saying is, is that do not take for granted even the smallest of things that nobody else may know about. The majesty of God is, He sees the big and He sees the small. Sometimes if it's small, we want to we kind of magnify it so where it can be seen, folks. God doesn't need corrective lenses. God doesn't need a, a zooming device. God sees everything. But as I said, the flip side of that is, even the things that we hide, even the things that we want to conceal, God sees those things. How much greater would our life be to get to a place, a point in our life where we can say, God, we know that you see all, you know all, and God, that you want to bless all that we do for you. So how many of us this morning can say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Your traits, your ways, your character, your deity is above anybody else I've ever known. Folks, I want you to know today, I believe that God is above all others. 
I believe today that God is superior to all other beings that we may say, uh, see and experience in their life. And he said, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Folks, God is not just good in this country or this other country. There's countries all around the world. People realize is that God is good to all of us all around the globe. He said, who has set thy glory above the heavens. So this morning as you think about these several verses, but mainly these two verses in the book of Psalm chapter 8 and Nahum chapter 1, may you realize that his is above all others. And as Nahum said, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Today, if you have not trusted in him, what a wonderful, blessed opportunity you have right now to be able to do that in your heart and unto him. Today, the majesty of God is something that not only should we stand back and behold, it's something he wants us to experience. God bless you this morning. Those are the verses and the thoughts that I had upon my heart. If you're here this morning and God's speaking to your heart, we want you to listen to him. I want us to get a song if we could.